Let everybody get those final surveys in. Thanks so much for doing that. That helps us to have a pulse on how things are going. Again, tonight, you know, from time to time, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things that was a real strong uh, reason for us uh, starting the church back in the, back in the early days, uh, 1993, when we first got going, part of it was about kind of being like pilgrims crossing the ocean in search of freedom for worship. And so worship's always been a big deal for us here at Christ Fellowship. And just uh, not that everybody has to look a certain way at all, but just that we would have the freedom to worship like we see worship revealed in Scripture. And there's all these different kinds of, uh, of expressions, and it's demonstrative, and um, like it's spirit and truth. It's inside, and it affects the outside. And so you don't have to dance. You don't have to lift your hands. But, you know, something ought to be like a smile every now and then would be great, you know, or just, you know, you can give a shout every now and then, you know. So all those things would be uh, great expressions of praise. And so praise and worship. And so tonight, just a little vision for why we take uh, one night like this and just uh, uh, it's like we are like fleas in a jar when it comes to worship. We get conditioned to do certain things, and we only go so far. But when we take a couple hours like we're going to do tonight, you know, hour and a half, two hours, it's like it allows us to go a little, do something different, you know, than what we've always done. Is that cool? That's why we do that. And uh, I would encourage you, if you got a, we don't ask our life groups not to meet very often, but if it was a choice between spending a night in worship and meeting for a life group, on this occasion, we would just ask, we do this once in the fall and once in the spring, and so we encourage you to come. All right, open your Bibles, if you would, to James chapter 5, verse 7. We're getting very close to the end of a series that we've entitled, Peace Under Pressure, and getting right out near the end, and I've got this week, and then next week, and we will wrap it up next week. So, uh, it's been great. Uh, for me, and uh, I'm chuckling inside as I get ready to preach this message on patience to you, um, and you'll find out why in just a minute, uh, something that happened. <laughs> you know, I, can I just say, too, that um, what people may not understand is that uh, whenever you stand up, people that have pastored or preached or taught or whatever... Uh, you realize that whatever you're about to share on you, a lot of times you have to kind of walk through that. So uh, we're talking about patience today, a little foreshadowing on what I might have had to walk through. So here we go. Let's read this together. James 5, verse 7. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm. Because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers... Do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Okay, so that's kind of heavy ending there. And uh, we're going to work our way through this, and I think it's going to help us to 
get the right perspective, hopefully, a, a Jesus kind of perspective on this passage. And that's what we want, right? So when we want to interpret Scripture, what is the lens that we're looking through? Jesus. Okay, we're going to make that point so that you could say that even more emphatically by the end of the message, hopefully. So, uh, patience. Need a little patience. How many of you ex- are excited about hearing a message on patience? Um, how many of you couldn't wait? That's why I don't do jokes. I like to laugh, but I don't actually do, do the joke thing in general. So patience. I looked it up. Webster's on Thursday, online, able to remain calm and not become annoyed when waiting a long time or when dealing with problems or difficult people. So that's going to cover about 45% of us. That's going to cover about 100% of us that struggle at some point in time with patience. Can I get a witness, right? So uh, we're pretty much, it's, it's like from the time you're, you develop consciousness and, and the ability to say, what's the big word when you're a little toddler? You know, when you, when you get that no power, when you get power to kind of control your environment a little bit, from that time forward, you're learning patience, right? You're learning about patience. You're learning about waiting. How many parents tell their kids, now you're going to have to wait just a little bit. If I want the food now. I want the milkshake now. I want the wherever you're at in the, uh, you know, uh, don't want to. One of our children, I'm not going to say which one, one of our children would just flop down and throw a temper tantrum sometimes when it didn't happen fast enough. And uh, I can remember, you know, just that's part of life, you know, is growing up and learning patience. Now, there are light versions of this and there are heavy versions. So let's start with the light stuff, right? Everybody wants to hear the light stuff first. Light versions of working on patience would be um, waiting at, uh, you're going up university and there's that 18 light, conversion, uh, it's like, how many roads is that that converge? It's about six. So, so it's Camp Bowie and Bailey and North University and 7th and, and parking lots from Will Rogers and, and it's all waiting at lights. You know, and so I'm sitting there with Kim and you know, whenever you have time enough to comment on how long, how long the red light is, you know it's really a long red light when you can talk about it and have conversation about it and bring it up again bugs her. She's like, don't talk about how long the light is. Okay, here's another light version. Another light version of patience has to do with the internet. The internet's loading. The, 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 the deal's loading slowly. First world problem, right? For sure. Can't, or, or here's another one, another light version. Maybe not as light for some people. The cowboys are going to be in a rebuilding phase. <laughs> for some of our younger members, the Cowboys actually used to be winners, and they went to the playoffs and won games and stuff like that. Anybody gone south on I-35 lately? I was going down to Belton, going down to speak last Sunday afternoon, and, and I dead stopped in the middle of the highway multiple times. Rassin' frassin', exactly right. Yosemite Sam. Um, 
it's like, oh my goodness, I'm stopped dead cold. I'm supposed to be there in just a little bit. And uh, opportunity for trusting the, the Lord just a bit. Um, there was, uh, I was looking in USA Today, and there was a video of a guy in Florida who did road rage on this lady, and she's filming him while he's doing road rage. A bumper on her back bumper. He comes around, and he waves a special kind of high to her out the window, and then cuts her off and pulls over so sharp that his truck goes out of control, and he spins off into the median. You know, and that's a patience issue. Um, I had actually kind of gone through my notes yesterday and then uh, and thought I was good on this for this message today. <laughs> and then Kim reminded me, we've got to get the taxes done. Yesterday afternoon has to get done. Something about Matthew and FAFSA and all that stuff. And so, I need to kind of calm down right now. It took longer than it's ever taken in my life. Ever. I'm still not done. Five plus hours. My, my computer totally ran out of battery while I was doing this thing. It was, it was rugged. And I, I, at one point I made a loud noise. And Kim, who was outside, came in. And, saw, <laughs> and she said, the neighbors can hear you. It was like a groan or something. I don't know. So there's, there's light versions, and, and then there's heavy versions of, of patience. And this stuff, you know, you guys, sometimes this stuff is painful, and it hurts, and it's about relationships, it's about marriages, it's about kids, it's about parents, it's about just issues in life where we're having to wait, where things didn't work out the way we thought they were going to work out, where it's not looking the way I thought it was going to look. Anybody ever thought that? You know, and it's, it's hard. Maybe it's an issue of freedom in your life. You thought, hey, I'd, I'm, I thought I'd be over this thing by now. You know, or maybe it's something about, about business. You know, business is another huge one for all of us that are trying to move things forward or church life or ministry or life group or people or friends, all these different developing character in my life. Um, you know, uh, a, a great one on developing character is uh, I got a word from the Lord. I really felt like God spoke this thing to me and I'd be in a different place by now. And I just want to remind us all that the Apostle Paul got a really cool word from Jesus Christ himself. Blinding light, I mean, had all the marks of a really big word. He's down the road, blinding light. Jesus says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting, you know, and I'm going to send you to the nations to tell people about me. Do you know how long it took from the time he got that word until the time he took off to the nations sent out from the church in Antioch? It was 14 years. 14 years of waiting and developing patience. And I mean... This is the Apostle Paul, you know, and so there is the school of life, you know, we really do have to walk through issues that relate to waiting and patience. And, you know, like we've been talking about all through this letter, this uh, epistle here, is that it's going to be things that require dependence upon God in our lives, that require humility, and that where we trust God, where we learn to trust God. It's like the farmer, the examples he gives. It's like the farmer who, and probably a lot of us, 
we're not agrarian people, we're city people, and so we just have to kind of think this thing through in our minds, you know, because a farmer plants seed, but he's totally dependent. All that hard work, tearing up the ground, getting the seed in the ground, but he's totally dependent on God for water, for rain. I mean, if there's a little irrigation, you can kind of help that thing along, but you still need rain. You need sunshine. It's got to be just right. You can't get too much rain or it'll kill it or wash it away or all those different kind of issues that work together in the farmer actually trusting God and being patient and seeing a crop come. Big deal. Or the prophets, another example there, the prophets were like, man, those guys went through some stuff. Isaiah, Jeremiah, thrown in a cistern, Daniel, lion's den, fiery furnace, enduring, suffering, you know, patience that just had to get worked out in their lives. Elijah, you know, gives a word. It's not going to rain for three years. Popular guy. Hiding out, right? Not going to rain. Drought for three years. And so the main thing here in looking at this is God's calling us to walk in patience and trust and trust Him through the difficult stuff of life. And this is practical, just working our way through this, but let's look at it. The first thing is, we need to live expecting to see the Lord. Expecting to see the Lord. Now, think about this. If you expect to see the Lord, it's going to affect the way you live, isn't it? I live differently if I expect to see the Lord. We're going to work through that. The why. Be patient, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its crop. How patient he is. You too, be patient. Stand firm. The Lord's coming is near. He wants that to motivate us. The, expect, the expectation to see the Lord. Don't grumble. It has implications, brothers, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So patience is something that happens, and it's, it's, uh, it's something that the Lord wants to happen. It develops something in our lives, especially when we don't know when the answer is coming. So the context here is that James is speaking to the church in Jerusalem and to synagogues, mainly Jewish Christians, believers, all over the place, but they would have been highly represented by the poor. Okay, so when he says be patient, he's speaking to people that were being oppressed a lot of times. So, so you know, there's a strong word there for any time somebody's feeling oppressed, there's a longing for justice, um, even the context here for the judge, and this is a big deal, is that the judge is somebody in the synagogue. Okay, so when we think of judge in the Western legal context, we don't think of somebody we know, do we? But the judge that he would have been writing into this context, into the context of the synagogue, is somebody they know. It's, it's somebody that brings righteousness to those who are oppressed. So now, part of what we have to do is we are so conditioned about the idea of judgment and the judge being somebody that's, it's like bad scary and going to bring bad punishment to us. So we have to kind of rethink this a little bit in the light of Jesus. Because, again, in the Western legal view, um, what's happened, especially in the last four or five hundred years since the Reformation, is that, is that the judge, God, is pictured it's in kind of two ways. There's like the judge God who's going to get us, 
And Jesus who comes to turn God's mind not against us anymore. Have you ever heard something like that? Okay, so what really helps, and I'm going to just make this as clear as I can, what really helps is for us to look to Jesus Christ who reveals Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. By looking at Jesus, we are forced to rethink some of these ideas where God is pictured as being against us or somehow portraying a different mindset than Jesus. When Jesus clearly says, to see me is to see the Father. I and the Father are one. When you look at Jesus and get that Trinitarian triune God frame in mind that there's not separation or two minds in God. We get that from a Greek dualism idea where we have God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, but there's this distant other unknowable God over here that's different from Jesus Christ. And it's on this other distant unknowable God that we hang all kinds of stuff that do not look like, that does not look like Jesus. And all I'm saying is that everybody, to the extent that we've done this thing where we've got God out to get us and Jesus portraying something different, like he's going to save us from that God, oh my goodness, that needs, I mean, the whole thing just needs to be rethought. And that needs to be subverted. That, that is, that is, it's embarrassing when you look at it in the light of Jesus Christ who says, no one knows God, the Father, but the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Now, this is big time. You can't, whatever idea we come up with that doesn't look like Jesus about God, we need to rethink it. We must lock in on Jesus Christ. This sound like a shaky limb? I know it's subverting some stuff, but I don't want, it's so, this is, this is, the way that we should be thinking about God, theology, life, everything through the lens of Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, we end up with a, a fearful, uh, frightening expectation of meeting that God who we've painted out of all of our fears and in our darkness, and we paint that God's G-O-D, little g, that God's face with something that looks very different than Jesus Christ. Okay. So, it's huge. When we start talking about the judge, the judge is coming, the judge is standing at the door, it doesn't mean that we're not going to experience conviction, that we're not going to have a revelation of, of our sin in His presence. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean that how God responds to us in His presence is just like you see Jesus Christ. The Father isn't different than Jesus Christ. He's not revealing a different kind of expression toward our sin. Jesus Christ dying on the cross is way more about dealing with us and getting us to be able to turn to God than it is getting the Father who is exactly one with the Son to turn toward us. Does that make sense? So it's just... It's just huge. And so we've got to think that way, looking through the lens of Jesus when we start talking about the judge is standing at the door. You'll be judged. You know, we think condemnation, but in Jesus Christ, He's made everything right. He's made wrong things right. Our hope is in nothing else but Jesus Christ. 
He's come and dealt with all of Adam, and now he's been raised up, new creation, new life, to live forever, and has taken that life right into the throne room of God. That is our hope. That is our hope, that our life is included in him. That's my own, that's, my hope is in Jesus Christ. Where else are we going to look? Did you have a good week or didn't have a good week? Things going good for you? Feeling pretty good about yourself? I mean, that's not my hope. I hope it's not yours. My hope is Jesus. And now I can live. I'm, I'm free to live. But you know, um, we're all going to see Jesus. And that longing... And that longing for Jesus shapes the, the way we live. It's going to shape the way we live. Did somebody say something? Yeah, great question. What does Jesus judge and how does he judge? And so we are going to stand in his presence. We are going to stand in his presence. And he has made everything right for those who are in Christ. But it's like we're moving on, all of us are moving on a trajectory that's toward Him or away from Him. And we are becoming more and more people that are going to love seeing Him and long for His presence, or we are becoming more and more people that don't want to see Him and will be terrified in His presence. You know, so there's, there's, He's going to make... He's, he's made all things right, but He's making us and shaping us and forming us into people that are going to love being in His presence. Here's a great story. So, uh, reading uh, the last... Uh, not the last battle. The silver chair. And uh, these people, there's Eustace, Jill, this is a C.S. Lewis story, and a guy named Puddleglum go on this adventure... And Aslan tells them at the beginning of the story, he says, now Jill, I want you to remember these four things. These four things. And this is kind of like judgment in his presence. I want you to remember these four things. And I want you to say them when you get up and, and everything. And so they go all through the story. And she does good sometimes. And sometimes she doesn't do so good. She forgets the, the four signs that she's supposed to remember she is cranky sometimes. She gets in trouble sometimes. She almost paralyzes, you know, uh, causes the whole adventure to be lost, you know. But they get to the end of the story, and and uh, King was Prince. Now it's King Caspian dies, and she says, "Oh, I want to see Aslan so bad. I want to see Aslan." And almost immediately, he's right there behind her, and you can almost hear the BBC version, "I have come." You know, Aslan says, I've come. And she turns and she looks at him. And here's the, here's the key for this, this answer. She turns and she looks at him and almost immediately she starts thinking about how she blew it. The ways she missed it. The way she didn't remember the signs. The way she caused trouble to the group and all that stuff. And she's about to start speaking and he looks at her and he says, remember it no more. She's looking for him. So that's kind of one version of what it... Like we're going to feel it, but in Him, he ma He's made all things right. 
Okay? It doesn't mean you're not going to... And that's why, why do we want to live lives out loud for Jesus right now? It's not just about something, a decision you made when you were 12 or something or 20 or whenever. It's like he wants to shape, change, conform us to the very image of Christ right now. And just that whole process. So there's, that's one reaction, but here's another reaction. The story goes on, and Eustace, Jill, and uh, Caspian, they, and Aslan, they all go back to earth. And just for a moment. And, uh, and uh, the, these kids had been chasing, this, the, the school was called Experiment House, and these kids had been chasing Eustace and Jill and bullying them and picking on them, and that's when they left to go to Narnia. Well, now they're coming back, and Aslan is as big as a wall. He's like he's this gigantic lion. He's this gigantic lion. And the kids who are chasing, bullying Eustace and Jill, they're running after him, and all of a sudden they see this gigantic lion, and their eyes are filled with terror, and they start running with all their might, and Eustace and Jill chase them, kind of hitting them with the backsides of their swords or something. And it's like a picture of victory. But it's two different responses. You see that? So... What I'm saying is, long for Jesus. Look for, put your trust and hope in Jesus and long for His appearing is the way uh, you know, another place in Scripture says it. We want to be people who long for the appearing of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, um, great. You know, when we're living expectantly to see the Lord, we're going to have a different perspective toward our situations toward the situations especially, and I'm not talking about working through taxes on a Saturday afternoon right now. I'm talking about long-term expectations. You had a word. You have some hope in your heart, something that you want to see. It's going to give you a different perspective knowing that you're going to see the Lord and that He's working all things for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Okay? The second thing. We need to live expecting to see the Lord and with a vision of God's mercy. Okay? Because, again, getting back to the Western thing there, it's like we here judge and we don't think compassion and mercy. But the Lord is full of compassion and mercy, is what it says there. Full of compassion and mercy. Look to the prophets. Look to Job who persevered. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And don't swear by heaven or earth, just let your yes be yes and your no, no. And again, um, think Jewish synagogue again with me for just a minute. The judge in that context is actually somebody you know. So we want to be people that are getting to know Jesus. Like really trusting Him for Him to make things in, right in our lives. Not people that are trying to avoid Him or, or get out of... Uh, the things that He wants to do in us, in our minds, in our thinking, in our character, in our hearts, in our marriages, in our lives, in our finances, in our business, in the church life here at Christ Fellowship. We want to be people that are being shaped by Him, changed by Him, because we are people that know Him. So, if you're some poor person expecting, in the first century, expecting the judge to make things right, it's like you know Trying to think of a good Jewish name. You know Ezekiel. Uh, you know you know this guy, and he's the judge, and he's going to make things wrong, right where you've been oppressed, 
or where you've been wronged. And He's going to make things, help you make things right if you're not living right. He's going to help do that in our hearts and in our lives. The judge is someone you know, and the judge, in this case, is full of compassion and mercy. His mercy, it's never-ending. It's new each day. Okay, and so, Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to just hit this one more time. Because, um, just, it's hard for us. It's hard for us not to think American, Western, legal, courtroom, that kind of thing. And it's hard for us not even to think chronologically about the Scriptures and we say, well, something happened in the Old Testament and I need to interpret Jesus in light of what happened in the Old Testament. And I want to just throw out here, we want to interpret everything in light of Jesus Christ. Why is that? Hebrews chapter 1 says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets in many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Okay? So He's spoken to us in the past, but the final word is Jesus Christ. He is the final word, whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. After He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty in heaven. And so He became as much superior to the angels as the name He has inherited is superior to theirs. Okay, so just it's another way of me saying We want to look at life. We want to interpret the Scriptures. We want to understand the letter that James was writing. We want to live our lives in ways that look through Jesus to what is really real. Okay? Because He is aletheia. That's the Greek word for truth. He's He's the truth uncovered. That's what aletheia means. Not covered. And so He is God not covered. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And so we interpret everything by looking at the lens, through the lens of Jesus. Everybody good? So a few just implications here for us, just practical, just wrapping this up. Um, Look to Jesus and walk in patience while looking to Jesus. You know, in every difficult situation where I'm tempted to start talking bad about the person or the situation, and I catch myself starting to do that complaining, grumbling thing, the word is, don't grumble. Don't grumble. Live in light of Jesus coming. Live in light of Jesus. Live our lives like He's with us. He is. Live our lives, you know, expectantly, looking to see Him. I remember years ago, a couple mentor, uh, reading about a couple mentor ladies for Watchman Nee, um, they told him, she said, you know, I, I walk around every corner as much as I can looking to see the Lord. It's just a picture of just ex- expectation. Don't grumble because judgment is promised to those who judge. Okay? So, 
we cannot love and judge at the same time, right? We, we try to emphasize that here at Christ Fellowship. We can't love others while we're judging them. We can't have God's unsurpassable value that He places on other people while we're judging them and making our own evaluation about their situation. I just, I can't know. I can't know what they've been through. Uh, you know, it's like that, uh, years ago I read in a book, a, a guy was riding on a train, and these kids were just going bonkers, you know, and he finally just got had enough and said, hey, could you, to the mom, could you, or to the dad, to the dad, could you, like, get your kids just a little bit here? And he said, oh, right, I'm, I'm so sorry. Just came from the hospital where their mother died. You know, it's like, you just don't, like paradigm shifting things. We just don't, we're not in a place to know what's going on there. So don't grumble, don't judge. Just let your yes be yes and your no, no. There are so many areas of life that are marked by waiting. Can I get a witness? So many areas of life that are just marked by, man. And so what an oath does, an oath kind of helps us avoid the responsibility and the reality of what the situation actually is by swearing by something else. You know, it, it's, it's like it, it creates a, a situation where I get to save face by not just being me, yes and no, but by actually appealing to something in the moment. No, well, I swear by, I promise you. No, really, but, you know, and we get intense and we can't just let our yes be yes and our no, no. That's what he's saying there. Um, no... Uh, when we say that sometimes, yes and no, without any other qualification, it causes us to lose face because we don't look as good as if we'd put it off somehow, trying to please people. Um, does that connect on that? So I try to, by, if I'm trying to please someone by not just letting the yes be yes and the no, no, I, get down, I go down a road where I get... Uh, I just I get uh, I get in a ditch, and the fear of man is a snare and a trap. And so, in all of this, in our patience and waiting, in our patience and looking for the Lord, expecting Him to come, having a different perspective about judge because it's Jesus, the one who has saved us and done everything that that to make things right for us. That's a different perspective than I'm just going to live fearfully. Uh, 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 not looking for him. So it's a, it requires uh, just a, a new perspective for us that we are going, like those kids, on a journey through life, but we're living our lives looking to Jesus now and letting that shape the way we live, think, attitudes, relationships, all that kind of stuff. It shapes us right now so that when he comes, we're living that kind of life. That makes sense. Now, we're about to pray some, but I know the reality is everybody in the room is going through different kinds of stuff. And it may be that right now you find yourself in a real waiting season. And what you need is brothers and sisters around you just lifting you up, lifting your hands up in the middle of the battle, placing a hand on your shoulder, praying for you, all that kind of stuff. And so it could be something maybe not major, but it could be something major. And we need the grace of the Lord, the patience of the Lord to come to us, you know, as we're uh, living by His life in the midst of the trials and the tribulations that we face. Uh, 
you know, a lot of times we don't use the word suffering because we relegate that only to uh, people going through persecution, physical persecution. But I'm telling you, if you're going to follow Jesus, there's going to be hard stuff that you walk through. It's stuff that where you say yes to Jesus, and, it, and here in America it may not be phys- like you're getting beat up, but it might be some rejection. It might be some family stuff. I mean, we've had family persecution down through the years, different reasons, different things, different situations, you know, and there's, there's some endurance that God calls us to, and that's what he's calling us to today. Stand up, if you would. Ministry team, come on up.